All right, what's up, everybody? It's your pal Val, and welcome back to our final episode of season two. It is absolutely wild to think about how far we've come. This being our twelfth episode, I believe, of the entire semester, and maybe the what is it, twenty second of the entire year. So I'm really grateful to everyone who is a listener of the show. Who has been listening since the beginning? Who has come along the way? Thank you so much for all of your support. As I've said before, I wouldn't be here without all of you, and you know, all of you listening to the show, giving me feedback, supporting me. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you. So today, for our final episode before we take a four-month hiatus, I want to say, yes, crazy to think. Sorry, not. I'm trying to use more of NSL language.、Um, it's wild to believe that we will be apart for so long, but don't you worry, we'll be coming back in the new year.、Um, we are going to have a new guest on the show, one who's been on the get the show before, but one who has never had the opportunity to solely dedicate herself to the show and just give her own opinions as just being her. So we're gonna play a song. To introduce her, and then after that, we'll get to talking. So the song is "Where the Wild Things Are" by Luke Holmes, and we'll see you after the song. My big brother rode an Indian scout. He was black like his jacket. American spirit hanging out of his mouth, just like our daddy. He kickstarted that bike one night and broke Mama's heart. He pointed that headlight west out where the wild things are. He'd call me up every couple of weeks. South California, talk about the desert and the Joshua Tree. It's pretty girl stories, and how he bought an extreme trailer and a J45 guitar. Said a little brother, you love it out here, out where the wild things are. Called my brother from the back of that plane. The second I made it, we started drinking on the strip in L.A. And it got crazy. Ended up at a house in the hills with some Hollywood stars, kissing on.
That was where the wild things are. And now it's time to introduce our guest. Why don't you go ahead and say your name, where you're from, and a little bit about you. I am Erin Givens, and I am from Situate, Massachusetts. Oh, very interesting. Anything else you want to share, like, about what you're into? Mm-hmm. Maybe, what, you know, anything? Basic info. Basic info. Okay. Um, I'm a Jogues resident. Not for long. Not for long. Four more days. Um, what else? I'm currently a mechanical engineering major. Mm. Mm. And that's basically it. Okay. Well, why did you decide to pick the song Where the Wild Things Are by Mr. Lou Combs? Um, well, my pal Val introduced me to that song. <laughs> and I think it's a really good song. I do love that song. <laughs> So we have had you on the show many, many moons ago uh, as like a official guest host for the first time. I believe it was our fourth episode, and now this is number twenty-two. So wild, where, where the wild things are. Uh, so I remember you saying to me, "I want to come on your show, really bad, Val, but I just don't know what I would talk about, <coughs> and I don't know if I can go on alone." So that's why we had you on with Ava, and it was a really fun, lighthearted episode. But now we're really diving into you more as an individual and you have had appearances before as like an audience member at one point and you also were on the snow day special but why do you think that now you are ready to have your own show well now that i'm the most frequent reoccurring guest on the my pal val podcast your pal val your pal val sorry um i feel like i'm ready Okay, so now that you've gotten the show, you've listened to it, you feel like you've worked up that courage, maybe? Hmm, yeah. Okay. Listen to every episode, live. Wow, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I always say there's a special place in my heart for the live listeners. I haven't uploaded the past few episodes yet onto Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever your podcast, just because life has been absolutely busy and so much has been going on. So I will hopefully work on that more this week for those who listen online. But I really appreciate those who stick out and listen live because it's a roller coaster. So let's talk about the fact that coming on the show requires a little bit of introspection, vulnerability, revealing yourself in a way that's kind of authentic and raw. That's kind of what the premise of the show is on is sharing your story and like where you are in life. 
So what what do you think it takes for a person to kind of reach that level or hopefully where you're at today to kind of share more of yourself? I feel like personally for me, I don't like talking about myself. So I'd much rather have other people to bounce ideas off of or like talk about them. So I don't know. So it's tough. Yeah, definitely. Because I feel like it's hard to, like, talk about yourself without being like, oh, I'm, maybe I'm being a little bit narcissistic right now or, like, I don't know, you know? I hear you. And I come from a place of confidence in yourself is so much better and to the point of, like, maybe being a little bit egotistical is better, in my opinion, than that alternative of self-deprecation because I feel like in today's society it's so easy to just – open up Instagram and compare yourself to idealized edited versions of people that you have a lot of insecurities and self-consciousness and just self-deprecation really. So that's why I'm always an advocate for, you know, feel, feel good about yourself, feel confident in yourself because that alternative is, is scary. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like for me, I don't find myself like comparing myself to others that much. It's just like, It's I don't like sharing like things about myself, I guess, because I feel like that's like my information, I guess. So I don't know. Yeah. And I think that sometimes it can be scary when people misuse that information or use it against you. And definitely that's where like a lot of trust comes into play. Or mistrust. <laughs> right. So I think that it's interesting how as people we are social beings and we're meant to communicate with one another. And that's why I am so adamant about being yourself in each and every moment and sharing yourself because first of all, it's draining to pretend to be someone else. And second of all, for real, by being you, it subconsciously empowers other people to do the same for themselves. Also lets you know really quick who likes you for you and who doesn't. Right. And so sometimes, you know, you'll put up this front and you'll say, okay, first I got to make people like me. And then, okay, now that I've got them and I can kind of let my guard down a little bit. And then you might face that rejection of they don't really like me for me because they didn't even know who you were when they first became friends with you. Definitely. So how do you approach that kind of difficult area of, you know, sometimes you do need to share things with people and there are moments when, okay, it's something really is called to play. Like, how, how do you feel in those moments? How do you approach it? I feel like it's difficult for me to do that. But in the times where I, I have found myself being able to do that, I just feel like it the conversation happens naturally. Like, it's never, like, a planned, okay, mental breakdown Monday. Mm-hmm. Or, like, you know, so I don't know. Or, like, it's never, like, oh, can we talk in an hour? It's, like, a spontaneous thing that happens. Yeah. So let's talk about, I guess, you and me, because we have an interesting relationship, and we've known each other since the beginning. And I think that through times and different things that have come up, we have remained friends and we have remained close to one another and if not gotten more. So talk about that journey from your perspective. Well, Val also lives on the same floor that I do in jokes uh, until we move out. So sad. Um, And 
I met her, I'd say, during fall welcome, like, literally before my first day of class. Mm-hmm. I think, I actually have the photo. We met, we must have met, like, in the bathroom or, like, somewhere on our floor. And then we ended up, there's no lounges on our floor because they're converted into quads. So we went upstairs to the lounge. And I have the photo of the night that, like, I first, like, spent time with Val. And I think it was, like, that first week of class. And there were so many of us. We were all playing Uno in the lounge. And then, I don't know. I feel like in the beginning, we, like, weren't as close, definitely. But then... Actually, the other day, I was scrolling back in my texts to see, like, what our first text to each other was. Oh, no. And it was, like, about some girl who lost her st- stag card. And I was like, hey, do you know this girl? I have her stag card. But I don't know. Then I guess we just started hanging out more. Yeah. And it is interesting how those texts line up because so much of it is in the context of that day and what we're talking about because we are together so often. We are on the same campus and we also live in the same floor. Exactly. Use the same bathroom. So. I'm going to miss the Brita Phillips. <laughs> so we run into each other a lot. So looking back on those conversations, it can be difficult to remember like, exactly yeah. how it all happened. And like one of our like second or third texts, I like reached out because I was like, hey, I haven't seen you in so long. And I'm like, you have to do that if you want to, like, make friends at college. Because, like, if I had never done that, who would have known what would have happened? That's true. Especially because we're meeting so many different people all exactly. once. It's overwhelming. And if you do have that, hopefully, like, magical moment, or, you know, it doesn't have to be anything crazy, but you just know that you have a connection with somebody or you feel that vibe and you're like, maybe I should feel this out instead yeah. of pursuing what's right in front of me. That might be easier at the moment mm-hmm. because I think in the long run it will pay off to take that risk. Yeah. And also, like, before coming here, I thought I was so good at knowing people's names. Then I got here and it was just, like, a 100 new names a minute. And I was like, what's going on? And then some people, it took me a long time to... Like, remember who they were and, like, how I knew them and, like, but I think that comes with coming to a new campus where there's literally 5,000 new people. Right. I remember looking at people's stag cards to remember what their names were because I felt embarrassed <laughs> to ask them for, like, a fifth time where I'd be like, oh, let me see your stag card. Oh, it's it's so interesting. It's different than mine. Really, I was just looking at their name. <laughs> yeah, so, definitely. But that's such an interesting thing that you're saying as well because now you have moved into the leadership position of an NSL, a new student leader, who is going to be introducing this whole new cohort of students onto campus. We are no longer going to be the freshest people here and you're actually going to be involved in acclimating newbies to the campus. So how how did that all happen? Well, I actually was not planning on being a new student leader really. I applied to be an RA and I was planning on being an RA and then um on decision day which has been deemed Faber Friday um we me and Val we both got placed in Faber to be RAs and after we had a long rough day um we went we were like let's just go to Faber and see what it's like so we got into Faber and we were like okay it smells like dead rats. It's probably asbestos, and um, this building's falling apart. It smells like mold. Mm, this is not going to cut it. And so we walked around. We, like, talked to the RAs, and after 
a little adventure. We were like, mm, this is not the best fit. So a couple days later, actually like a month later, I got an email that I was going to be an N- that um, I had the opportunity to become an NSL. And I was like, well, I am on the RA alternate list, but this sounds fun. And I like meeting new people, and I want to help people get acclimated to this campus. And this seems like a great way to do that. And I'd still be able to live, like, where I want to, so I wouldn't have to change where I was living. So it just seems more convenient. And I'm actually really excited about it now because the other day I was working in Dolan, and this kid who's committing, I think, for some business major... Um, came with his grandparents, and I guess his mother went here, and so they came just to, like, check it out. And they asked me all sorts of questions about, like, things on campus, where things were, like, how classes were and all that. And it was, I actually had a lot of fun, like, explaining to them, like, all the different things, like, telling them about, like, all the different dining options and classes and, like, how to register and, like, LLCs and, like, all of that stuff. So I think it's going to be really fun. Good. I'm glad that you found that, and hopefully you'll have a nice place over the summer, a new community of people. I am not excited about the early wake-ups. Thumbs down. That's true. That is definitely a difficult part, especially being in college. But we've kind of alluded to this whole first year. This is our last episode of me being a first-year student doing the show and of us being first-year students. So talk about this whole year like in reflection I know that's like a big ask but where do you see the growth that you've gone through I mean if at all but I'm sure there has been and how do you think you've transformed as a person I grew up in a I would call it a small town it's definitely a small town there was like less than a thousand people in my high school um but so I was with the same people, like, all the time. Like, I'd see them in class. I'd see them at the grocery store because there was literally only one grocery store in my town. And, like, I'd see them at, like, the one Starbucks or, like, I'd see them everywhere. And after however many years you were in school, what was it, 13, kindergarten to 12th grade, it's – you got to, like – get a new start sometime, you know? So I really enjoyed coming here, and there were so many new people. But I do have to say, the longer that I'm here, the smaller this campus is, like, feeling. However, like, there's so much, like, land area, it feels like. It just feels like there's not that many people just because the buildings are spaced out, like, oddly. Because I feel like there's so many buildings, like, in the quad area And then plus they're adding Bowman, so, like, there's going to be even more. And then you go to Faber, and it's, like, seems like equal land area, but just one building. Right. There's literally one building in the woods. (laughs) Exactly. Next to the pond. (laughs) Um, But I don't know. I definitely thought that coming here was the right choice for me because because I do come from, like, a small-ish town. I didn't feel like I wanted to go to an enormous school because I wanted to be able to like accidentally not accidentally but like just be like walking back to my dorm and like saying hi to people that I knew and recognized and like I don't know yeah I think that's definitely an interesting perspective of meeting new people and something that will happen is people will keep coming in because every year there's that shift in students who are here so yeah 
I think that especially because you're an NSL, you will have that opportunity to meet new people, especially if you continue. But in terms of like your own personal growth, do you think that you have changed? Has college changed you? Has it changed for the better? Um, maybe for the worse? <laughs> well, I feel like it's changed me for the better, but I do think that it's just so different because like here I'm like on this campus which is probably what two mile radius one mile radius it's like relatively small and there are weeks where I don't leave like and which is so bizarre to think about because like at home I'd be like driving all over going to dance practice school clubs like sports practices so that whole aspect is crazy but I do think that coming to college really did come with a lot of personal growth just because you're not with your parents you're not with your siblings you're not like with the people that you grew up with so like you have to learn how to make new friends or not even really learn but you have to like understand that people are going to (laughs) come we have um you have to know that I guess because you don't have like the best way for that I think I can explain it is like you don't have the friend who you met when you were five who you were friends with for 10 years here like you don't you're not gonna have people with like that foundation I guess of friendship so Mm -hmm. you have to like be okay with meeting new people and then realizing like oh we're not gonna be best friends but like we can be friends, you know? So it's just kind of difficult finding people who you really vibe with, I guess. Mm. So do you think that from your perspective, you have grown in the sense that you're more comfortable talking to people who you're like, maybe I won't be with them forever, but I still, like, has that allowed you to come out of your shell or did you not have a shell? Like, what, what are we getting at here? Well, I feel like, I'm an extroverted person, so, like, even if I don't know you and I see you and I'm given the opportunity, I would probably be like, hey, how's your day? Like, how are you? Like, what's your name? What's your major? Where you're from? Like, we were on a kickball team, and there was a time where I was playing, like, one of the bases, and every time a new person would run up to the base, I'd be like, hey, I'm Erin. Like, what's your name? And then I'd meet so many new people just from doing that, even though... I definitely was supposed to be paying a little bit more attention to the game, but it's okay. Like, I don't know. I just enjoy meeting new people, but I would say in terms of, like, talking about, I guess, deeper conversations, I definitely do have a little bit of a turtle shell. Mm -hmm. I think that's natural, though. Yeah. I think it it is hard to sometimes share the darker parts of ourselves or maybe the parts that are a little bit more personal because that, like, wearing your heart on your sleeve is what allows you to get hurt, and that's scary. Yeah, definitely. So do you think that going to college, I know you said this college was the right decision, but do you think that college in general was the right decision so far a year in, and Why? I do think that college was the right decision for me just because I knew that I wanted to further my education, but also because if I do want to pursue, like, the careers that I'm looking at, I am going to need a substantial amount of school after high school, even if I don't know exactly what that is yet. 
everything that I've, like, been gravitated towards has been, like, seven years of school or, like, more than that. So I definitely think it's the right choice, although I don't really know exactly what I want to do. And I also think that coming to college is so bizarre because you're just out of high school and you're, like, randomly filling out college applications. You're just you're barely having your essays and SAT scores and, like, AP scores and everything together. And then they're like, choose a major. And I'm like, how am I supposed to know what I want to do with the rest of my life when I'm literally 17 years old? Like, I feel like it's a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. And especially because college is expensive and you're spending a lot of money on getting this degree and you want to make sure that it can be put to good use in the future and help you to, like, build a career. And... It's just, I feel like, a lot of pressure for us at a young age, I guess. Mm -hmm. That's definitely true. And I think that there is a stigma that you have to know everything you want to do at 18, where when you're a kid, it's always fostered. You can do whatever you want, be whatever you want, and, you know, any idea is okay. But then suddenly you get 17, 18, and you're being scrutinized, and it's... This, you have to know what you want to do for the rest of your life. but I think It changes from a, you can do whatever you want, to a, you just have to pick something mm. really quick. Yeah. And I think that we all have to recognize throughout any point in your life, you can change, you can shift, and very few people nowadays will hold the same job for their entire life. It's not like it used to be 50 years ago. So the job market is changing, the world is changing, and the needs that we have today are not going to be what we need in five years, 10 years, and so on. So I think it's really just about following your passions and knowing that if you build skills, you will be able to mold those wherever you see fit eventually. I feel like also part of college is learning that not really, like, you do want to be interested in your degree, but you want to make sure that you're getting the most, like, versatile degree you can because you have to have, so at some point, you have to understand that you want the degree to be able to be applicable to a bunch of different, like, fields or different careers. So, like, if you got a degree in chemistry, you hopefully, or definitely you don't, you don't have to be a chemist or work in a lab. You could do, like, research researcher you could go to med school or you could become like a patent attorney or you could do like all different types of things whereas like I don't know some degrees I feel like are so oddly specific that like they're not applicable to all careers I guess yeah so let's talk about you specifically and your major journey because I think you are amazing and you're very smart and there's just a lot going for you but at the same time, you put a lot of pressure on yourself to fulfill this standard. And I think that's natural, but I also think that it's really hard, you know, like to live under that. So talk about that whole journey of like what you came in thinking you were going to do to where you're at now, admitting fully that you still don't know. But what has changed in that whole process? Well... I came in wanting to be a neurologist, a pediatric neurologist. So I wanted to, like, help kids who had, like, brain problems, like, succeed, I guess, and have equal access to opportunities, like, and that type of stuff. And then when I came here and I took my first neuroscience class, I was like, 
Yes, this is interesting, but do I want to do this for the rest of my life? No. I do not want... It was like... was not for me. And I was like, I need something more hands-on. So I was like, mm, mechanical engineering sounds fun. And the students that I knew who were in that major were, like, building things and using math and science and, like, aspects of art in their projects. And I was like, this seems really cool. And I was like, why not give it a try? So I switched my major. And then this semester, I've been mechanical engineering so far. And in the beginning, well, I'm in a class called engineering graphics. And in the beginning, it's mainly SolidWorks-based. And SolidWorks is, like, a CAD program that's used to... Um, build different hardware pieces and then those hardware pieces can be printed and ordered and orthographic drawings are like made and those can be like sent to like factories and things like that and then the parts will be manufactured and then sent to like fulfillment centers and like other factories where like the rest of the parts would be built and it can be used for like construction and things like that so and at the beginning I really hated SolidWorks just because I didn't understand, like, how to use it, and it wasn't really explained to me in the clearest way, I would say. Um, But after using it more and more, I think I've begun to like it a little bit more, and also I feel like I didn't have time for it. So it was just like, in the beginning, it was like, you got to get this done. It's due in two hours. Like, go, go, go. But I think I've... Now that I've been able to do more independent projects, I guess, it has been more fun. And also, I think that, like, while right now I'm doing a pen project and I have to build the pen in SolidWorks, do the orthographic drawings and fully dimension them and stuff like that. And then the cool aspect of that project is that we get to 3D print the pens. And so um, I've attempted printing the pens yesterday and... Basically, it it was fine, but I don't know. I just feel like I don't know how much I would enjoy, like, like I enjoy the design portion, like, of SolidWorks, but I don't know how much I'm, I would enjoy, like, designing screws and hex nuts and, like, all of those different types of, like, specific hardware pieces for the rest of my life. So I'm not really sure, and so I was thinking about doing um, a chemistry major. And then I was like, well, do I love chemistry? Mm, not sure. And then I was like, well, what else could I do? And Because I, I was like, really, I feel like I do enjoy writing. So I wanted something that incorporates, like, art and science and math and writing. And I was like, well, there's, like, not many jobs that do that. And so I've kind of been trying to explore ways that I can, like, utilize all of those skills in a career. And I'll let you know when I find one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for taking us through that thought process because I think it shows that we all have different ideas. And there can't be this pressure of I have to find the one thing that I'm interested in that's going to carry me through my whole life. Because I think oftentimes... 
we have many different interests. And this is something that I actually talked about on Charlotte's episode, who is who is a mechanical engineer, and she talked about, you know, being interested in writing and how she, like, has two books or something that she's working on and how just because you're picking a job passion doesn't necessarily mean that you have to dump all of those hobbies to the wayside and say, oh, I can't, you know, write my own book or I can't, you know write poems for fun or honestly there's so much that you can get involved in outside of that job and I think that jobs can be empowering in the way that they enable you to live the life the way that you would like to see it and that's why I think it's such a privilege to be here because a lot of people don't have that so definitely so that's very interesting I can't wait to see where you end up and then where you end up again and then where you end up again because It's going to be a journey, and I think that's the whole overarching theme of this show. Life is a journey, and we're all just here in the middle of it trying to make sense of it all, and that's just going to be life forever until, you know, it's over. So, cool. (laughs) So, speaking about that, you seem very interested in STEM, all of those majors that you've discussed actually pursuing have been in the STEM field. And last time that you were, well, I don't want to say last time, but the first time you were on the show with Ava, you left us on a a cliffhanger when we were having a fun, lighthearted episode, talking about trends, talking about little things, just taking a break from all of the hard things sometimes we discuss here. And you dropped a bomb in like the last two minutes. We ended up going over time and I was like, ah! You, you gotta leave the people with a cliffhanger sometimes. I know, but it was something that I just, I wanted to dive into further. And now that we have the time to, I want to give you your floor to say what you want to say about women in STEM. Okay, well, that is a loaded question. <laughs> and I also feel like I can't speak to this fully just because, like, I've only been a technically a college student in STEM for a year, less than a year, uh, well, an academic year. But I don't know. In high school, um, I took, like, the regular, like, AP classes that everyone did. I did, like, AP Lit, AP Lang, AP French, AP Psych, like, all of those. And... Especially in high school, like, the English teachers were, like, mostly female. And then, like, my teacher for, like, AP Physics 1, my teacher for AP Physics 2, my teacher for AP Calc, like, all of, like, the science, math courses were all taught by males. And also, like, especially in, like, those classes, I felt like, I don't know, like, the... They were always more, like, males than females, I guess. And I didn't really realize how much that, like, impacted my willingness to, like, participate in class, I guess. Just because it was something I had never really realized before until someone... I think I was in, like, a presentation and someone, or reading an article or something for an assignment. And it, like, really stuck out to me. I was like, wow. Like, I'm much more willing to participate in an English class or, like, a class with, like, a female teacher, I guess. Like, even in, like, my math classes, like, my Algebra 2 teacher, my Geometry teacher, 
and my pre-calc teacher were all female. And I'd say that, like, well, calculus is obviously, like, the advanced math that was offered at my school. Like, all of the advanced math, advanced science classes were taught by males. And I think that, like, that started, I don't know, like, when I came here, I guess, like, I have a male chem lab teacher, and I didn't realize how much, like, that impacted my, like, willingness to ask questions and things like that, just because, like, it made you feel like you didn't belong, I guess, especially when, like, I don't know, everyone, I don't know how to explain this, but I don't know. And then, on the other hand, like, my chemistry class this semester, there's, like, it's, like, all girls and, like, two guys. So, like, in that class, I feel like I hadn't even really noticed this until I was, like, really thinking about it. Like, I'm much more willing to, like, talk to the people around me, even if it's not about chemistry, just because, I don't know, like, I didn't realize how much that, like, impacted me, I guess. But also, like, I've had to do projects, like, for my introduction to rhetoric class in the fall, where I, like, had to research, like, things about the STEM field and also like in high school I did that too and like the pay gap is like extremely large like I think for like regular jobs I think women make it with something around like 80 cents on the dollar. I think it's 81 cents for every dollar a man earns and that gets even lower for women. Yeah in STEM I don't know exactly what the number was but it's even lower than that and Mm -hmm. I don't know I feel like that's just kind of discouraging I guess Mm -hmm. so seeing all of this and feeling I guess that force on you and how it's impacted you what ways do you motivate yourself or keep yourself inspired in the face of all this to continue pursuing your dream well if I'm being like completely honest I try and just ignore it, Mm -hmm. but sometimes it doesn't work, but I don't know. I just think I never realized how much something like that could affect me without me realizing it, I guess, because I feel like I do normally talk a lot, and I I try to be a good listener, but I feel like most of the time I end up talking more than other people, Mm -hmm. and I didn't realize how, like, it changed how I like acted in the classroom I guess Mm -hmm. so going into this field which is male dominated do you think that this experience here is going to help you move forward and be successful in the field whatever avenue you choose in that or are you do you have hesitations about it and that's okay if you do can you talk about that like the human aspect of it really Hmm. Well, I definitely say that, like, just, like, sometimes the coursework alone has made me, like, not want to do STEM, like, business major Tuesdays, like, no class Wednesday, like, that sounds nice, but, like, I don't know. I feel like I enjoy, like, that type of, I guess, work, because I could not, I don't have the patience to read, like, all day, every day, and I don't have the patience to, like, 
like there's a specific type of writing that I like and I do not I don't think that I'd be able to like just do English or like just do like history or something like that like it would have to be something where they're all related to each other and I feel like in science it's like math and science together Mm -hmm. even though it's just science and I feel like that and sometimes it's English if it's like a lab report or something like that even though it's more like analytical writing as opposed Mm -hmm. to like figurative writing Mm -hmm. so I guess I still get to write a little bit but it's not the type of writing that I enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting that you bring that up because part for me coming to high school part of it was that was so exciting was finally seeing those threads come together in different classes and that always excited me because we live in a world that is connected we don't live in a place where science exists separately from math that exists separately from english that exists separately from history because they're all connected to one another they're shaped by one another and they continue to weave together in complex ways so to only have a limited understanding of going into one field is actually not really helpful when you need that historical knowledge of what has happened in the past to not allow it to happen in the future or to learn from it And I think while people do hate the core here, I think that is such a benefit because building a well-rounded person is much more important because you can learn on the job what you need to know. But being a person is not something that everybody, you know, is educated enough to kind of understand, which is interesting. Yeah, definitely. And also, like, uh, I just, oh, there was a point during my, like, junior year of high school where, like, I'd go to history class and, like, I'd learn about, like, like, J.F. Kennedy's um, assassination and then, like, his brother who also got assassinated and, like, that whole family. And we were learning about, like, the speeches that were given. And then, like, the next class I was in um, AP Lang. Shout out Miss Hall. And we were um, doing – we were, like, doing a rhetorical analysis of, like, one of JFK's speeches. Actually, no, it wasn't JFK. I think it was – Robert Kennedy's speech that he gave after MLK was shot and um I forget exactly where it was but we were doing the rhetorical analysis of the analysis of that essay and the light bulb like just kind of clicked when I was like oh it's like what we're learning in history is connecting to what we're learning in English and then like I'd go to math and then what we were learning in math would connect to what we were learning in physics and then like Even I'd go to music and like in physics, maybe we were talking about waves and then I played the flute in high school. So I was like, well, when I'm like playing the flute, like the sound waves are all like, like, I guess it's just all related. And I never really put that together before, like, especially like when I'm putting like playing, pushing on the keys of my flute, like it's changing the sound waves because the waves are no longer able to bounce down like the tube of the flute because I'm opening and closing the holes, which is changing the vibration patterns, which is then changing the sound and like all of that stuff. When I realized that it was all like connected in that way, I thought it was like super interesting. And even like in art class, when I would learn about like the photo about like photography or like the different lights and like, like gradients and like things like that. And then I'd go to like physics and I'd learn about like the, visible light and like what the amplitudes of that would be and like all that different type of stuff I felt like seeing the whole picture was like 
very interesting to me. And then, like, going to, like, a class like biology or something where, like, it was actually, like, applicable because I could be like, oh, like, look at this leaf. Like, it has, like, this specific cells that, like, are the reason why, like, photosynthesis happens. And then that, like, I don't know. It was just cool seeing me, seeing it all, like, come together, I guess, because, like, you're right. In, like, elementary school, it's, like, not connected at all. Like, they're all very concrete, like, separate, like... Entities. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, in, even in middle school, it is, too. And mm-hmm. really in the beginning of high school, it, it takes you to, like, the end of high school to, like, really get there. Yeah. I think that's such an exciting part about being a student is, like, that hard work pays off, especially coming in here when that prior knowledge that we've worked so hard to gain can actually be melded into and we can use that to form our own opinions especially like my math class that everybody likes to judge me for taking um it's all about cryptology and we talk a lot about world war ii and how it was used um you know like the enigma nazi machine to communicate how it was cracked by the allied powers and it was it's so fascinating to the point where we had it as the last question on our final um just talking about the sacrifices that it takes in in those fields of science and math and also those moral standards that have to be used because if we're just being science heavy and math heavy you know saying like calculating how many people we can kill with the technology we have at hand where does that moral compass come into play definitely there is another interesting moment where i felt like um science and English overlapped for me junior year and it was like I don't remember who wrote it um but it was like a letter that we did rhetorical analysis on and it was surrounding like the formation of like nuclear weapons and like it was like very fascinating just because that letter like changed the course of like world history I guess and Mm -hmm. I guess like seeing how English and science were related just because those two subjects I feel like aren't related as often as like maybe math and science or like English and history are Mm -hmm. no I agree it's it's really important to keep those things in mind and you know really form diverse perspectives so I think that having these discussions is really important And it's interesting to see how that will shape you and who you become because being in a STEM field, possibly, you will have that background in the humanities and other areas to really, I guess, form you. I don't know. It's interesting. So anything else that you want to share about going into the women in STEM field? I don't want to cut you off, but I just know that you're doing great thing. You're staying committed and you're following your passions, not saying, well, I don't necessarily see myself represented a ton here, but I'm going to use all this knowledge that I've gained and persist and keep going. And especially because you do have that historical knowledge of women have come before you, they have been successful, they have made changes, and you can do that too. Has that influenced you at all, seeing possible role models? I feel like a little bit, but I also feel like I haven't really had that many. Like, the only time I remember, like, at a young age, seeing, like, a woman in STEM, I guess, was literally, like, Doc McStuffins from, like, the TV show. Like, neither one of my parents um, are in STEM, and I guess I have, I wasn't really surrounded by, like, science, I guess, because, like, some of my friends had, like, parents who were, like, doctors, but, like, other than that, I wasn't really 
around STEM that often. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like the only time I was really around it was when I was in the classroom. Mm. So do you think that the lack of personal role models has been like a challenge in that way then? Because there are like historical role models that we learn about, like Marie Curie. um, And what was that scientist you were talking to me about, about like she got, you were telling me about this, how she was doing something in the 1800s and basically man took credit for it. I forget what her name was. Yeah, so Watson and Crick, the guys who discovered, like, DNA. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it's killing me. I don't remember her actual name. I'll find it. Oh, Rosalind Franklin, Right. I think, right. was her name. Mm-hmm. And she did something with, like, x-rays or something that led to the that Watson and Crick like got a hold of her like research in that area mm-hmm. and they were able to use it to discover basically DNA and all the different like base pairs and things like that and i think they they won like a nobel prize for it and mm-hmm. she got no credit mm-hmm. yeah so that is something that happens and has happened and continues to um oh what was Catherine what's her last name from Hidden Figures, Katherine Johnson. Oh. And all and all the women in that. So we're having all of these kind of things come out of the woodwork where we realize... That's such a good movie. Yeah, it is. And it, it was a real-life story that has happened. And we're looking back on history. Even uh, the movie that I watched for my math class, The Imitation Game, I forget what the, women's, the woman scientist was. I'm going to look it up now. But basically, we realized the role that women have. Oh, Joan Clark. So these are all mathematicians, scientists who are women who have been influential in things like cracking Enigma in World War II, which is the crypto system used by the Nazis. And then we have Katherine Johnson along with other women working towards the moon, like, well, it's not the moon landing, but the safe arrival of astronauts who are lost in space. So there's so much going on. And we're looking back at it now. All these things are coming out. And I think that it can be an encouragement. Though they have been overlooked, I think that we're now at a place where hopefully it's getting better. Would you agree? Yeah. And um, for my chemistry class, this past exam we had, we had extra credit about, like, um, like I guess, underrepresented people in STEM. Mm-hmm. And one of the people who stuck out to me was Ellen Richards. And she was the first female admitted to MIT. And she got a degree in chemistry. But, like, after, like, getting into that field, like, still her most, no- like, one of her, like, quote, most notable achievements was that she wrote a book on, like, chemistry and cooking and cleaning. And I was like, she got a chemistry degree from MIT, and we're focusing on her book about cooking and cleaning. But, like, I don't know. So, like, even, like, back then, like, even though she had that, like, knowledge and she was able to achieve that, like, insane achievement, like, there was really no audience for her just because, like, a male wouldn't, like, listen to her, I guess. And so, and unfortunately, not a lot of other females at that time were able to do what she did because then women still weren't really going to college. And so she really had no, like, audience to share, like, her information to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it it really is a complex thing. And I do think that looking back in the past, we can realize what growth we have done, but yet what we still need to do. And I commend you along with 
every woman that I meet here who is pursuing the STEM field for that insane amount of courage and gr- like just I'm in awe of all of you. I it's not something that I choose to pursue, but it's something that I have a lot of respect for those who do. So that being said, we are kind of coming to the end of our time. I hope I gave you enough time to kind of flesh out that topic that you left for me at the end. But what do you what do you want to say to the listeners to kind of, I don't know, close out the show before we put on your song? Do we decide on Take You With Me or? Yeah, we can okay. do that. Okay. So what do you want to say? Hmm. I can't believe that it's the summer almost. Well, have a great summer. I'm so sad that I'm not going to be able to listen to your pal Val live for four months. So sad. But you'll be back. I'm sure you'll be back next uh, semester. I will be back. Um, I don't know. Just yeah. thank you. No, that's good. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Finally, we get to investigate who you are as an individual. And, yeah, so let's let's play the song Take You With Me. Want to talk about why you chose that song? Another I poems. was actually – I was – in my room the other day doing chem lab homework mm-hmm. and um val came into my room and we were just talking and then she was like oh the song's been stuck in my head all day and this happens all the time where val has a song stuck in her head and then it's like maybe stuck in her head for like two days right and then it gets stuck in my head for the next week and that's the only song that i will play so for the past like three days this has been like the only song i've been playing aside from the occasional um you found yours and where the wild things are but i don't know so i just thought it was fitting no it's so good and literally this it's so good so good it ties back to last week when i literally played three luke Combs songs in a row i think i played five leaf clover you found yours and joe yeah so i was like i was sitting in engineering graphics and i was like how did she only pick three songs from the album it's (laughs) so good it was was really tough i'm glad that we're playing two more this is me low-key like yes but let's listen to the song so good (laughs) okay i hope i hope we're not beefing it up too much but i really know listeners will enjoy so thank you aaron so much this is a great way to close out the show thank you for a great year of podcasts (laughs) so stick around after the song i will give my final outro and then we'll let you off for the rest of the summer so this is take you with me by luke combs Daddy, what's that mean, that little turtle and the rabbit? He sat me in that seat, showed me the wheel and how to grab it. He said, I'll work the pedals. If you climb up on my knee, I'll take you with me. A few years down the road, packing a cooler and a sandwich. Clinging to his leg, guess he could tell I couldn't stand I said, go hug your mama And I'll go grab my keys, I'll take you with me If it was up to me, we'd do everything together And when you're young like that, you think those days Take you with me 
couple coats tucked away from when we fixed it. You said, let's sneak out back so your mama doesn't see. I'll take you with me. If it was up to me, we'd do everything together. But when you're young like that, you think those days last forever. Didn't know back then how much those words would mean. I'll take you with me. Got a youngin' of my own, he's too young to understand it. When he gets a little older, watching the stage where I'm standing, he'll know it's about him. When he hears me sing, I'll take you with me. If it was up to me, we'd do everything together. everyone I just want you to know that I will take you all with me in my heart as the summer goes on I know that I can be really bad about responding to messages and things I usually use break times to kind of unwind and you know use it for personal reasons and sort out things in my own life but this show has meant a lot to me this year it has been a place for me to find joy in times when I necessarily couldn't and every single listener I'm taking you with me I can't wait to come back next year and to pursue the show again, to have new people on and just to continue this message that we have been driving forth that your words matter and that your stories are meant to be told. And I'm so, so, so grateful for the show. I'm thankful to WVOF at Fairfield for giving me this opportunity and to every single person who has listened to the show, who has been on the show or both. So I hope you all enjoy this your summer um i'm not gonna make any promises maybe i'll come out with an episode here or there over the summer i don't know i said the same thing over winter break and that didn't happen but maybe maybe some hometown friends want to come on i don't know we'll see keep an eye out and if not we'll definitely be back in september so with that said bye for now pals it's val signing off and i'll see you next time (laughs) next semester bye